this week on Traumatized. Something horrible is invading New York. Something terrifying. Something you've never seen before. It's the killer condom, the rubber that rubs you out. Danger is everywhere. The army of condoms have overrun the city. Only one man is brave enough to take on the crazed condom. Luigi Macaroni, police detective. He alone must do battle with the army of death, preying upon the citizens of New York City. Played by Udo Samuel, star of the masterpieces of German cinema, Far Away So Close, and Caspar Hauser, Macaroni must save the city and himself from the destructive power of the killer condoms. The conspiracy that he uncovers is so shocking that it could cost him his life. Under the direction of Martin Waltz and boasting the lavish production of Ralph Dietrich and Harold Rakebner, Ralph Koenig's comic book becomes terrifyingly real. Brought to horrifying life by Academy Award winner H.R. Geiger, whose creations thrilled you in Alien and Species. Killer Condom was an official selection of the prestigious Berlin Film Festival and has won accolades from audiences worldwide. In a world where safe sex is deadly, it's the Killer Condom, the rubber that rubs you out. It's from Troma, of course. Hello, and welcome to the first episode of Traumatized. I'm Zachary Teicher. And I'm Jacob Maximilian Barron. Hello, world. So, Barron, what is Troma Entertainment? I'm glad you asked, Zach. It was founded in the 70s by two Jews from Yale, so you know it's good. And they uh, had worked on a lot of these actually really uh, prestigious productions, like Rocky, My Dinner with Andre... And they've, uh, their films actually have given rise to a lot of like rising talents like Samuel L. Jackson and Billy Bob Thornton, Marissa Tomei. And yet, the company that they founded is this low-budget exploitation production and distribution company, which puts out films that, uh, what did the Wikipedia say? They're known for their overt sexuality, grotesque nudity, and incredibly graphic violence. You have no idea. You have no idea. <laughs> well, we now have some idea, and okay. we're going to get a lot more of an idea. Because the point of this podcast is for me and Mr. Barron Hello. to watch through every single film Shroma has ever made, one movie at a time. And yet they have uh, either acquired, distributed, or produced over 1,000 movies since their creation. So we have a long road ahead of us. Indeed, a long and fruitful road. Lots of blood, lots of boobs. I'm looking forward to it. Indeed. Touche. Um, and this week, we just finished watching The Killer Condom, the rubber that rubs you out. <laughs> That's the tagline. It's actually wonderful, as you heard in the trailer. And honestly, Zach, I came for a good time. And I, I'm kind of mad you fucking at you. got a good time, Jake. <laughs> I did get a good time, but not in the way that I expected. It's, I, I expected to laugh maybe cry from laughing, but I didn't expect to feel. I didn't expect to be invested in the journey of our characters. No, me neither. This actually was quite a, a moving and very... Oh, and actually a very serious film yeah. about, you know, killer gay condoms. culture in, like, the 90s and 80s, and, like, also killer condoms and people losing dicks. But also, the killer condoms almost seemed irrelevant after a certain point. Like, I wasn't looking forward to when the condom would attack, because usually with these, like, kind of crappy explo exploitation movies, you you're waiting just for the weird like thing in the title to show up and then everything else is just kind of ridiculous but this i was almost sad when they did show up because i wanted more character development i wanted more of these well-written conversations that uh promoted inclusivity and uh progressiveness in our culture yeah so the basic plot of this film is you have police detective luigi macaroni a gay police officer 
Openly um, gay. Openly gay. Probably uh, one of the first openly gay, like, noir detectives I've ever seen. One of the first openly gay noir detectives set in New York City played by a German actor. Um, yes, it's also fascinating because it's made in Germany, and so you get all these wonderful things like Farmville, Oklahoma, yeah. um, or, like, the super cliche characterized American... It's, it's it's a German's idea of like a New York like noir movie. It's which is really like fascinating because it's so ridiculous and there's like they just throw in American flags and they're like, Oh, it's so America. Look at us. Like and everyone who's like from the country is from Farmville, Oklahoma, as you said, and like if you're Italian, you're Luigi Macaroni, you know, if it's and they he keeps going on these monologues like these like voiceovers about how New York is a cesspool of <laughs> crap and villainy and it's the most stereotypical thing, and yet it's I don't know like the more you watch it it's just the more you get into it because you know he has this past with this you know trans person who used to be a cop you know yeah and the best part is they keep calling her Bob even though now she goes by Babette. And then at the end, he learns to call her, but he gets a name of character development. They all respect her enough to call her Babette. It's, like, so of its time. When was this made? 1996. Like it's not of its time. Oh, my God. It's, like, so incredibly progressive. Like, I love the scene where, like, his other cop is, like, a macaroni, you gotta settle down. Love with these boys. Find yourself a woman. He grabbed by the collar. is like, I don't want a woman. I want to be accepted and understood. Do you understand <laughs> me? It's just the most, like, interesting combination of, like, a beat cop film and, like, and it's an it's a gay beat cop film. It is honestly, it is. It's like a dirty, dirty Harry. <laughs> also, though, speaking of dirty Harrys, uh, there's something to be said about uh, Luigi's dirty Harry, um, and by that I mean his giant 32 centimeter penis, <sighs> as described in the film, which is probably my favorite character in any <laughs> film. For no, honestly, it has a lot of impact. It's half of. You. Oh, it has a lot of impact. Jay. Ha- oh god. Again I, and again. Okay, okay you good? All right. It's like, but it's half of his character is the fact that he has this giant dick. And that's probably why he's afraid of commitment and just Well, no, they, they bring that up, because, like, he's always, you're like, ah, oh, no one, love is just sex anyway. People only want me for my <laughs> giant <laughs> penis. And oh, so he's, like, afraid to love. But then he meets, like, a nice young man named Billy. Um, and when I say a nice young man, I mean a prostitute. Um, sex workers, actually. The Wikipedia says gigolo, okay? <laughs> let's, let's, just, let's just say gigolo. I don't think that's a slur. Um, no, and actually... I, I don't know. Let's, go on. <laughs> let's not chance it. Okay, fine. Um, but they're... Actually, the scene where um, Luigi and Billy, the sex worker, or gigolo, um, the scene where they first meet is also the scene where we meet his giant penis. And probably the greatest reveal in cinematic <laughs> history. And I'm barely, I'm half kidding about that. Because they're in this dimly lit, almost romantically lit room. They're both getting undressed in front of each other. And, you know, Billy's taking off his clothes and he has a sturdy body and physique. And Luigi Macaroni's taking off his clothes. <laughs> like and, you a know, short little Italian man. Yeah, and very unimpressive. Um, but then across Billy's face <laughs> is cast a giant shadow. <laughs> what is this? We must wonder. And then it starts to rise. <laughs> rise. It's very tubular. And Billy just says, wow. <laughs> And we know what it is. And all Luigi says is 32 centimeters. <laughs> which we're not, we haven't done the math of how long that is, but it's implied in the film that it's very, very large indeed. Uh, yes. Um, God, that was an amazing film. It really was. It's like the condoms weren't even, you know, the focus. No, it was just like a genuinely good, like, horror film. Um, they were just a MacGuffin, and they were just like a motivator for the plot. It's everything around the plot was just. You know, looking at how how 
gay men can still be, you know, masculine and how they're treated in, like, especially in the in the, uh, the police force. Oh, yeah, like, this is such, like, there's so many layers to this film that are actually so deep and legitimate. I'm sorry that you guys tune into this thinking we talk about, like, you know, sh- shitty movies and just shit on them, but, like, maybe the rest of them will be crappy, but this one just... Uh, it's a good start. Yeah, excellent start. High bar. You know, high bar picking them totally at random. <laughs> uh, yeah, wait, did you pick it for any particular reason? Uh, well, it had a really cool sounding trailer that I thought would make a great intro. As you um, saw. So, yeah, it was essentially at random. Uh, but there are a lot of ones like that. Um, <laughs> I've only seen Surf Nazis Must Die and Poultrygeist. Um, well, and, was, was Poultrygeist trauma? Oh, uh, yeah, Poultrygeist is trauma as well. I, I didn't um, get to see either of those. Uh, it's that's ridiculous. That's for like a Native American chicken restaurant. A chicken restaurant is built on top of Native American burial ground. Um, of course it is. And it is as offensive as this film is progressive. Um, oh, see, that's the thing. When I heard Kill a Condom, I'm like, oh, these are going to be really exploitative and one of those things where you just like laugh in spite of yourself and you kind of feel bad about laughing because there's a lot of... Because I heard it was about this gay cop in New York and how all these like condoms were killing people. And I'm like, oh, you know, it's going to be like overtly sexual and they're really going to use the gay thing <laughs> as like humor. But like it was... I don't think the the fact that he was gay was ever used to be funny. No, it was very serious. It It was was like a very down-to-earth, like, complicated story about this gay cop trying to earn respect in, like, a workplace. It's... Which is hard when you go around yelling that there are killer condoms <laughs> people's dicks off. Yeah. That's actually, I was even frustrated at a certain point because I cared about him so much that no one would believe him. Yeah, so for, for the first half of the film, um, uh, Luigi learns about the killer condoms because one of them bites off his right testicle while he's, like, sleeping with this um, sex worker. Uh, and so he, that's what his, his catalyst for the plot. He gets all inspired to track down the killer condoms. It's and revenge. Of, and of course, no one in his department, like, believes him. They just think there's, like, a spree of people biting off people's dicks. Um, and so he's running around, but he never lets up. He's always insistent that it's, like, a condom that's biting off people's penises. I know, and then Billy becomes a suspect because, you know, he had his testicle bitten off while he was about to bed Billy. And, you know, it's, it's, I was almost worried about Billy. Because, you know, they're not going to listen to him. As this, you know, kind of random, young, you know, gay gigolo. It's, and... We can cut the silence out. Right? <laughs> oh, and, oh, I was. I could. But I'm not going to change. <laughs> oh, God, okay. No, it's just there's so much to get into with this film. And it's about conservative politics. Because then there's this presidential candidate who comes oh, out of nowhere. Dick McGovern. His name is Dick McGovern. He's a Republican, of course. And he... He obviously gets his dick bitten off. Spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler alert. The newspaper headline is Dickless Dick. And, and you know, the whole thing is that his whole campaign was built on decency. Oh, yeah, and, it's like the classic Republican, like, morality and, like... And uh, then the scene where his dick gets bitten off, he's in this bathtub and, like, this woman's getting, like, undressed in front of him in this, like, lingerie and it's just, like, strip-teasing him and he's smoking a cigar and it's, like, very depraved. Also, the condoms... Chirp? Meow? See, this is where Chortle? this is where you remember what kind of film they were trying to make. <laughs> because every time the condoms go around, they it's like they're squeaking. It's like this cute little like wee wee wee. And before we get on to that, we're talking about my Dick McGovern after he gets his dick bitten off, and like his campaign party is meeting with like the police chief. Please, he's like, what's the big deal? He can still run. The guy's like, what? No one will vote for a dickless man. <laughs> Which is actually like also reflects. <laughs> On, like, the fact a woman just lost the presidency, you know? I, I don't know, let's not dig too deep into that. But we are <laughs> digging deep, Zach. It's a deep movie. There's a lot going on. It predicted the future. 
It was ahead of its time, Zach. It was ahead of its time, um, but I think it's a bit of a stretch to say that it's... A stretch? Like a condom? Zach? Mm. Sorry, no, that... We're... The viewership just went down by, like, a thousand people. Oh, yeah, from nothing to yeah, nothing? so now it's negative a thousand. Mm, yeah. All right. Uh, we have scripters of the Phantom Zone, I guess. I guess. No, but then... It's even the production values are great. There's a chase scene where half naked <laughs> Luigi Macaroni chases one of the killer condoms down, down the, the hallway. hallway of the hotel quickie where everyone has this gay sex. And you know the and the the condom is slithering and chirping around. He runs after it shooting blindly. It's like the French Connection when he's driving under like the train tracks trying to get the criminal. But like it's a half naked Italian detective running after a carnivorous condom. And I will say. I think Luigi Macaroni must have one of the best shooting records in the NYPD for the fact that he's able to, like, shoot these condoms He has a good time. record of how many, like, condoms he shoots, like, off. Even He even has someone throw one, and he just shoots <laughs> it out in the, the air. air. It's amazing, honestly. Like, also, the way this film was, like, marketed is it went to the Cannes Film Festival. Do you understand this? I don't. What is the Cannes Film Festival? Well, let me tell you. No, it's, like, the most prestigious, like, film festival probably in the world. It's in France. It's where all these, like, really artsy movies go. It's where everyone is so pretentious about film that, like, if you expect on a good, for a good movie, for half the audience to boo or leave because they're so opinionated and there are fights that break out like, between all these French critics, and it's amazing. And then they showed this movie, and they advertised it by bringing in an actual six-foot fanged condom. And people protested outside the festival because they didn't get any awards. (laughs) You, like, give the killer condom, like, the Palme d'Or, which is, like, their main award. And I would have voted for it. And not just ironically, Zach. Not just ironically. You know, it was ahead of its time. Well, actually, no, it was France. They're, like, pretty chill. About everything. I guess. Um, well, but it's the Cannes Film Festival. It's like hard for anything to get in there. Especially, I think it ran in competition. I think it was going up against the other stuff that year. I think Braveheart was that year. Like, well, well if you're going up against Braveheart, I can see how it lost. No, um, I can't see Zach. Braveheart isn't actually that good a movie. It's. I would rather see like a movie about a, a, an openly gay cop like, trying to save the homosexual community in New York, like, from this, like, elaborately constructed plot to, like, save the world from indecency, then I would watch Mel Gibson trying to do a Scottish accent and uh, and running around with no underwear because he's wearing a kilt. Like, they all bear their asses at one point. I, I've seen the film. Uh... Yeah, so you should know what the hell I'm talking about. Anyway, I would have voted for the Killer Condom <laughs> over Braveheart any freaking day. And Braveheart's okay. Yeah. But, um... Oh, oh, I think, uh, did we mention the H.R. Geiger bit? Uh, who's H.R. Geiger? <laughs> well, let me tell you. No, he's this guy who designed the alien, um, like, design and outfit for, um, the alien movies. And he's one of the greatest, like, kind of creature designers of all time. Everyone, like, looks forward to him. If you say something, like, is, like, H.R. Geiger-esque, you know, you get know exactly what you're getting into. And apparently he designed the killer condoms. And... It's amazing because they look exactly like the throats with teeth that the aliens have. So I really think they were so cheap that they literally just, like, took one of those from the set and they just asked H.R. Geiger, like, can we pay you $1,000 for a few of these? And he's like, yeah, sure, I need the money. I think they just went and bought a bunch of condoms and put fangs on them, Hey, no, 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 but it's not just that, Zach. We could do that. But they had, like... Could we, Jake? See, well, the way you say it... I mean, like, morally. Well... (laughs) Listen, Zach, we're talking about... This movie has no morals, okay? I think it has a lot of morals. All right, so first off, let's get into where did these condoms come from? So... So to speak. So to speak. So 
turns out, surprise, surprise, it's a religious fundamentalist um, who wants to, like, cleanse New York of, like, all sin or whatever. Um, so they kidnap this Russian geneticist called Dr. Smirnov. Who only refers to himself in the third person. I love him. He's like, Dr. Smirnov, the police have come to free Dr. Smirnov. And they get him addicted to this thing called red jelly. I, I think you're thinking too deep into it. Like, no, I'm not. They never explain what red jelly is. They don't is. have to. He just wants red jelly. Yeah, but they get him addicted to it, and so, like, they... They make him produce these monster condoms, and so they'll give him red jelly. Maybe it's a metaphor for something. I don't know. I think it's just red jelly, Zach. They could have just said heroin. No, but, like, it's... Zach, it's called the killer condom. Why are you expecting... Well, I guess by the end you're Maybe expecting it's like more. Lube. Is it lube or, like, petroleum jelly? But for what? He's stuck in a freaking underground lab. Are and masturbate? <laughs> are we allowed to say masturbate in a podcast? I don't know. I know, like, I know they have rules for fuck shit and, like, cock and stuff, but I, I rarely hear masturbate. What, what are the seven dirty words? Like, uh, tits. Uh, well, we're gonna say them uh, all, I guess. Uh, uh, motherfucker. Motherfucker. Uh, piss. Piss. Shit. shit. Uh, I'm, I think it's good that we don't know the rest, honestly. Uh, like, I think we're good, two good young Jewish boys, just like the men who invented trauma. <laughs> Ah, uh, yes. And now we're inventing a podcast based off trauma because we're on original pieces <laughs> go, of shit. It goes full circle, Zach. <laughs> yeah. The circle of life. Oh, boy. No, we. I recommend this to anybody. What would you rate it on the... How traumatized were you, Zach? Um, oh, is that we're going to do? We have, like, a scale? That's good. Like, how traumatized were we by this film? Exactly. Um, I say... I don't know. Well, what, what is being traumatized? We should define that. It defines itself, Zach. Well, no, because is it, like, a... What I would have thought before the film would be traumatized would be like, oh, it's so bad, it's good. Kind of like oh, yeah. The Room-esque. But this film, like, really wasn't that. It's interesting, because I thought trauma would be like, like, they would be a bunch of Tommy Wiseaus, but they were aware of what they were doing. I but will... I think they were, were putting in effort. The production values were great, the shots were great. I will let you know, the rest of them are going to be what you expect them to be. I, I'm almost <laughs> sad about that. How do you go back? Uh, quite easily, actually. I'm gonna put this on my list of favorite movies. It's gonna be my 2000th favorite movie. It's, especially because this movie is happening on, the movie actually takes place right before the year 2K, I think. Because, like, it takes place in 1996, I think. I think so. And the whole, like, plot of the religious fundamentalist is that God is coming back on December 31st, 1999, and in the year nope. 2000... He's getting off of a plane from Rome, Rome to, to Italy in, like, December 31st, 1999. Yes. Which is, like, very elaborate, but... No, and so I think this, like, it's almost a coincidence that this is going to be my 2000th favorite movie, and it takes place near the year 2000. Yeah, it's a good coincidence. Um, so you talk about Chekhov's condom pit? Yes, okay, <laughs> so I was explaining to Zach, I mean, you already knew it, but during the film, a bunch of the main characters find themselves strung up over this giant pool of well, killer condoms. It, it's when, like, Macaroni finds, like, the evil lair where something has been building all the condoms. Which is under a church. Um, it's under a church, of course. Um, and there's, like, a giant, like, condom pit, like, the macaroni, like, comrades are hung over and he has to go rescue them. Um, but the minute we see this, we're like, someone's gonna get thrown into the condom pit. Because there's this theory called Chekhov's gun, which is from theater, that if you have a gun on the wall during the first act, it's gonna be used in the second act. So you don't just give us a pool full of killer condoms and then don't throw someone in. And we were not disappointed. And you know what? We were not. The main villain, indeed, commits suicide by throwing themselves into the condom pit. Although we don't get to see her being eaten. It's honestly, um, I think they just cheaped out enough that she was just in a pool full, face down. Full yeah, that is, that is true. She just falls face down, splashes, and then it just cuts. No, and they're, um, and all, they're just all these limp, like, regular condoms. <laughs> and it's like, I feel bad for the actress. 
that like this is her biggest claim to fame. I've never seen her after that. Is that she just played the bad guy in this movie called <laughs> The Killer Condom, and her last scene is her face down in a puddle of condoms. It's well, like, that's how you always expect to end up in the film industry. <laughs> but, like, this is her after getting the job. It's sad, Zach. I mean, I think it's very symbolic of her career, actually. Well, that's sad, Zach. Maybe she just, they just left her there. And some say she's still in the condom pit today. Oh, God. Yeah, so I guess traumatized would be how bad it was. Or, you know, how it was so bad it's good. But I wasn't traumatized at all. Yeah, I'd say... Not traumatized at all. Wouldn't expect me traumatized, and we weren't. Zero out of ten traumatized. Yes, but ten out of ten tra- just being a good fucking film. Damn straight. Yeah. So, uh, this is the first episode of Traumatized. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Traumatized, um, or send us an email at Traumatized69 at gmail.com. Or if you'd like um, to get a cup of coffee, see a movie sometime. Yeah. My, or my phone number is two zero three four five one seven zero zero five. I'm in an open relationship, and I'm down for more sexual partners. Uh, all right. You're gonna get a lot of weird calls with that. I hope um, so. I was gonna make a joke about sending dick pics to our email, but I guess I don't have to now. I'll take um, it. Only, only if your dick is thirty two centimeters. And yeah. Italian. So I hope you enjoy this first episode of Traumatized. There are many more to come. We love you all.